Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on the planet. Yes, yes, yes. If you don't know there's a war going on, I'm not sure you're here. Thank you, Jesus, for the war. Thank you for the battle that belongs to you, Lord God. Thank you that it's ferocious. It's not uh, just a, it's not a virtual battle. It's a real battle. And so we thank you for your spiritual strength, counsel, direction, protection. Lord God, we thank you for the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We thank you that there is nothing like that freedom that your truth brings. It brings peace. It brings um, uh, vision. It brings revelation. It brings purpose. So thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us, for taking our place in this crucifixion, that we died with you, we rose with you, and now we're called to live with you. Lord God, so thank you for giving us power over all the power of the enemy to bind, to loose, to forbid, to protect, to love our enemies, to love you, to forgive one another. Lord God, this is the commandment, the greatest commandment of all. And so I thank you, Lord, for the promise also, the big promise that you will protect us, be with us to the end, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you go with us through the trials. You've been afflicted with us in our afflictions, Lord, and that you will give us wisdom, that we will speak today as the oracles of God, that you give us ears to hear and not to forget, eyes to see and not to forget, and a, and a heart to receive, to re- receive the revelation of truth, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, Father, guide our conversation as we talk about Rescue Radio today. Amen. Yeah, well, I don't know if we're talking about <coughs> Rescue Radio. We're talking about stuff, on On Rescue Radio. on Rescue yep. Radio. Yep, so the preposition, we changed that preposition to, to um, on. There we go. All there right, go. now it's all straightened out. Good. Well, there's we a go. series of trick questions that um, people were asking Jesus. Always trick questions. And they, they, mm-hmm. they weren't, it's not that they were wanting to know, they wanted to find fault with him yeah. for the most part and, and tried so they can accuse him falsely. So they asked him, you know, they'd asked him there in, in Mark chapter 12 about, you know, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, basically said, show me the coin. Yeah. And if it's, oh, whose inscription is on there? Very oh. simple. Uh, it's Caesar's. Well, it's render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and God the things that are God's. And then the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection, said, well, what about the resurrection? This man had, you know, um, he he died and then his brother yeah, raised up, you know, got married to his widow and there were seven men that had him whose wife will she be in the resurrection complicated yep religious stuff right religious complicated things that said how can there be a resurrection because it's too difficult to sort out Mm -hmm. in this situation jesus said well you know it's a different order so resurrection so you know and he answered well Mm -hmm. uh you know and he is the god he said he hit them right in the face with their scriptures. Mm-hmm. They only believed, the Sadducees only believed in Matthew, I mean, not Matthew, <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And they did not believe in the prophets. So he used their own scriptures that be, that they believed in. To bridge in, the gap. That to they said they the, believed mm-hmm. in to show them the reality that God is the God of the living, that he's not, not the God of the dead. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, referring to, uh, Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, uh, that um, they were, uh, you know, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. Right. So he says, you are, you therefore, mistaken. Are great, you're mm-hmm. greatly mistaken. <clears throat> but you know, the thing is, a question here, this is something I've been thinking about lately. You know, this idea of death, this idea of eternal life, this idea of, of, of um, what happens next after we die, after we go away from this place. Um, we only have one life. You only have one life, which has a certain amount of time to it. Everybody's time that's allotted to them is different. But we only have that one life, and that life has been given to us by God. And with that life, we will determine whether we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven or be cast into the lake of fire um, with the enemy. And a lot of people don't, nowadays, <clears throat> they do not even recognize this as the most urgent question 
in their life. Everything is distracting and everything is more important. Everything is urgent. Everything drives them onto this or that until by the time they get to be, you know, past the prime of their life, if they live that long, you know, they've already eaten the wrong things. They've already believed the wrong things. They've already married the wrong person. They've already, you know, have all kinds of problems and troubles. Some people kind of skirt through some of that and maybe make a little money or have no money, whatever. But the thing is, people do not ponder the most urgent and eternally important question where will I spend eternity? And, and these men, they were not interested in really knowing about the resurrection or heaven. Uh, you know, and in the Old Testament, I don't know if they had a whole lot of teaching about heaven, actually. But they were more interested, and probably that's why some of them didn't believe in the resurrection, uh, like the Sadducees, because I don't know if they had a lot of teaching on it. But Jesus is coming talking about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God extends from where we are here on planet Earth Bridging that gap into eternity, beyond the temporal, beyond the the the, 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 the tangible, into the spiritual, the supernatural, the the reality of forever. So, with us today, why don't you begin to stop? I know I'm, I'm sure there's many people listening to us that are already believers. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. You believe He rose from the dead. Uh, the Bible says, if you believe that in your heart and confess that with your mouth, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that you repent, that you acknowledge that you cannot save yourself, that it is his blood, his death substituted for yours that has set you free. If you believe and receive that, that is the simple, that's the ticket to heaven. It's, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, there's many denominations and Satan has taken this simple concept of eternal life and, and believing in Jesus Christ and built edifices and monuments and shrines and denominations and cathedrals and doctrines and doctrines of demons all around all of this stuff. But the basic, basic is you are one person. You have been given a human life. You are not, you are not create a rabbit or a rock. You have a destiny. You have a, an opportunity to, de- to determine whether you're going to spend eternity forever in heaven or be cast separated from God, a castaway. And that's not what God wants. He doesn't, he's not willing that any should should perish, but that all should come to eternal life or come to repentance and then eternal life. So it's not about works. It's not about perfection. It's not about performance. It's not about having a perfect doctrine. It is about having a perfect attitude of heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendering to him. So these Pharisees were absolutely trying to look good, trying to promote their pointless causes and prove that they were right. Uh, in the for, in the in the face of their own damnation, because they were not even interested in in understanding how to be saved or or protect themselves, they were just interested in um, proving so, Jesus wrong, uh, proving Jesus wrong, and justifying themselves mm-hmm. in their in their error. But okay. so, but notice the question they bring up next. You know, they have the coin, they have the taxes, they have the resurrection, and now this question is what Mark Mark twelve twenty eight. Go for it. It said, "Then one of the scribes came." Having heard them reasoning together, they're, they're always just reasoning, trying to figure things out, mm-hmm. and they and they they come up with all kinds of errors by doing that. Perceiving that he had answered them well on those those questions, so you get it from, you know, the Pharisees and the Herodians are asking the questions. Then you have the the Sadducees, this other group asking him this question, and now we have one of the scribes, and we'll talk a little bit more about who the scribes were in just a bit. Uh, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, one of the guys, the scribe says, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these so so the scribe said to him well said teacher you have spoken the truth for there is but one god and there is no other but he and to love him with all the heart with all the understanding with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices mm-hmm. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to question him. Now, can I, I, can I, can I add to that? 
in uh, the Gospel, Gospel of Luke, they had the same discussion about the greatest commandment and what is in Jesus. <clears throat> in that particular one, the guy um, answered, you know, he answered. He answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But this man, maybe a different man than that, than the one in Mark, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So we see in there's a, a hidden motive and a, a hidden agenda sometimes in their asking these questions, wanting to justify themselves, wanting to prove themselves right, wanting to um, not have to submit or surrender to a new dispensation. Uh, Jesus was, as he said here, that's better than all the whole, the, this uh, uh, scribe said, this is better. Oh, yes, it's than all the, um, the more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. So there was a transition coming here between what God had told him to do in the Old Testament and this new way of uh, approaching the Lord. And, and perhaps this scribe, now it could be the account you just looked at in Luke, it could have been another situation, mm-hmm. it could have been the same one mm-hmm. with the with the addition of wanting to justify himself. Now, here, this guy, this scribe, in a sense, seems like maybe he's a little more sincere than the others. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just saying, you know, he, he really is inquiring, because he, he answered right. Okay, mm-hmm. he, had the, he had the right answer, to love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other command greater than these. He really had that. He says that's mm-hmm. more than well, it was a quite, burnt, yeah. all burned offerings right. and sacrifice. It's more than all the religious order of things. This is this is the key. Well, this issue. this is what ha- was happening. Jesus was breaking up the scene. All of the ritual, rigid. Uh, rigid rituals and laws and and performances and ceremonies that they had known for hundreds and hundreds of years is given to them by Moses. All these laws and and sacrifices and burnt offerings and the the days and the keeping of the days and all these things was about to be transitioned into a a period of grace. Yeah, a a new covenant. A A new new, covenant, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So... And, and it's hard. It's hard for us a lot of times to accept to let new go. things, yeah. to let go of the old. But the scribes, let's talk a little bit about who the scribes were And this guy. They were the copyists of the uh, scriptures in the Old Testament times. They didn't have printing presses. They didn't have, you know, digital printing and <laughs> all that stuff. So they had to copy by hand the scriptures, the mm-hmm. law, the laws of Moses, the words of the prophets. They were also called lawyers, okay, because they were involved with, you know, perpetuating and copying the law. Mm-hmm. So they, if, I guess, if you, someone, if you copy something you must learn over it. and over and over again, you pretty well get it in your mind. And they were part of the uh, the Sanhedrin, mm-hmm. which was the Jewish Congress, and, and, and it's also the Jewish Supreme Court. So. Um, well, they were the legalists. They kept the letter of the law. They had to keep it just perfectly straight because if one little jot or tittle was off, it would mean change the whole meaning of the word. Yeah, and and but by the time of Jesus, the the Jews had added all kinds of laws, supplementary huh, laws, like to the law of Moses, mm-hmm. and and some of them were distinguishing between uh, major laws and minor laws. So, mm-hmm. well, this one is more important than this one. Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. some of them thought, well... Well, that's like some of the today's Bible teachers. They say some truth is more true than other truths. That's ridiculous. I just heard we that just, the other... We just heard a guy yeah, saying that. Yeah, very famous. Very, very well-known, worldwide... Bible. Uh, supposedly uh-huh. Bible teacher. But anyway. Saying that... You but know, you, you, you can't have, you know, in, in, in this country too, you know, the law is for the lawless. So the more laws you have to pass because the people are more disorderly and rebellious and out of control, well, or the more you want to control them, the more laws you pass, because the law is not given for the godly, but for the lawless, it says. Well, let me, let me, let me read that to you. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, in a recent year, uh, I was told that there were 40,000 new laws added to the laws we already have. In one year, mm-hmm. 40,000 new laws in the United States and the United States territories. What, uh, so what is more binding, restricting, constrictive? Uh, you're illegal, probably, and don't even know it. Yeah, yeah. Law breaking. Some of us are pro- we're probably bleak. maybe we're breaking twenty laws right now. But here, this, but. well, God is 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 moving this transition, and I think to this very day that word law 
You know, Satan wants to keep the law as part of the gospel so that you will feel guilty for not keeping the law when Jesus says, I fulfill the law. All the law is now fulfilled in this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these discussions with the scribes, the Pharisees, and whatnot are are to open their eyes to the fact that, yes, the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The big number one law, first law, first commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And, and, or, you know, honor him, follow him. And in the, the, the reason for that one law, the first law of loving God, is because there were so many, Satan has set up so many false gods that worked out of the principle of fear and, and terror and blackmail and intimidation to get the people to worship them, give them sacrifices and whatnot. So God is saying, stay with me. I'm the one true God. I'm the creator God. So Satan was doing every, every antic he could to, to, to distract or, or deceive or, or persuade or to, entice the people to come away from the one true God. He wanted to defile their distinction. There to be a distinct, right, their distinction. holy people. Right. Not, <clears throat> not to be an arrogant, separate, Dis- exclusive, I mean, exclusive, um, better than everybody better else, better than everybody else, but a distinct people. Well, not- the reason is because all people, the Gentiles and the Jews, contained the image of God, mm-hmm. and as and God needed to preserve some of them as a distinct, as you said, a distinct image of God, so that he. Well, otherwise, he, they were all going the wrong way. They were all going to be just swept up yep, and swept run across up over the sent and, over the cliff and the power of demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it Paul writes. To Timothy in First uh, First Timothy one five. Now the purpose of the commandment. Okay, you could say any commandment, anything gets given by God is this. Mm-hmm. What is love from a pure heart? Mm-hmm. That's what God is looking for. You said it to love the. We read it. You said it. We we read it. Um, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. From a pure heart and from a good conscience and from sincere faith. For which some, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things they affirm. Oh, boy, we heard that the other night um, from mm-hmm. this guy we mentioned. Uh, well, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, Mm-hmm. But for the lawless and unsubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for mm-hmm. murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for mm-hmm. manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to mm-hmm. sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel <clears throat> of the blessed yeah. God, which was committed to my trust. So the law, the more, the reason... We have so many laws yeah. is because we're so lawless. Right. Because we're so wicked and profane and perverted, mm-hmm. you have to have so many and laws, then, rules, policies. And then when you have all those laws, you have all the lawmakers and you have the gatekeepers and you have fear tactics and you have p- rewards and punishments. You are open for bribery and for wicked judges and for wicked lawmakers. And all of these things, you're, you're setting yourself up under all of these because you don't do the one simple law of love, the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And I'm telling you what, we in this country, 20 years ago, even 20 years ago, um, maybe even 30 years ago, but for sure, we, we, we were not then where we are now in terms of what we permit. Even what in the we, last five years. Even what we discussed. We, we, since I was thinking this this morning when I got up, since the election since that night, that night of the you're election, about the presidential yeah, election the pre- president, president, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Since that, in that night, I believe the hordes of hell, the the the, the bowels of of hell were opened up. The curses, the the witchcraft, the contempt, the vile permissions were given to allow many demons to take over, come to the surface, a torment believers, torment us. And, and tear our hair out, rip our families apart, give us sicknesses, jump from one to the other. And then the, the Christians are just like in La La Land for the most part. There's totally, and if you don't know what La La, they're just, they're just out. They're, they're, they're unconscious. They're 
uh, sedated. They're decept- in a, in deceived, super, de- deceived, disassociated. And dis- <clears throat> yeah. And, yeah. And so things like, for example, um, things that we now can't speak against because politically it's not correct. Uh, we cannot raise a, a standard against certain things that are obviously, according to the Bible, uh, according to any common sense, murder and violation of human bodies and stuff like that. We, we are, that's not illegal to speak against it. This is how perverted the law has become when the law that Jesus Christ brings is simple and good. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, you know, this is the Old Testament where we have a prophet, a minor prophet, who's beginning to set the stage for this freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, freedom not to do everything you want, but freedom to die that you might live freedom to be set free from the, the the judgments of hell that are upon everybody because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And only those who whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. But in Hosea 6, 6, he says, um, for I, excuse me, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. But like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt treacher- treacherously with me. Then he names some cities and he names some things. Gilead is full of evildoers, defiled with blood, as a band of robbers lies in wait for a man. So is the company of the priests who murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they have committed lewdness, that's sexual perversions. There's a horrible thing in the house of Israel, harlotry in Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Judah is a is a harvest appointed. There's a harvest appointed for you when I return the captives of my people. So he's saying there's lewdness, there's perversions, there's bloodshed, there's robbery, there's um, horrible things. All of these things are are upon us, are in the midst of us, and God will not prevent us. I I, I said to the Lord this morning, God, what what was going what what's going on today is way more serious than what was going on in Egypt just before you sent Moses. I mean, that was horrible. 430 years of, of persecution and making bricks without straw. And, um, you know, they even at, at towards the end, they had to use their own human babies as mortar to fill in the supply of bricks. Their babies were being killed. The blood was being shed. I know we don't know all these things from this text, but in other texts, it's what it's giving us. So, but, but God is a more serious problem on his hands right now today than he did in Egypt. And don't think he's not going to address it because he sent Moses. He did. He opened the Red Sea. He did also think awesome things there. I believe he's going to have to act here as well. I really believe that here in the United States, um, we have been, we have been historically in many ways, not in every way, in many ways, kind of a, a bastion of freedom, righteousness, that sort of thing. That has changed. Mm-hmm. Totally. It has changed. I think, I'm going to say this, I believe we have become the most vile, perverted nation on earth right now. Well, we're the source of it for a lot of other nations because the, they're in... We, we, yeah, Babylon, they're importing. Revelation, mm-hmm. the Babylon, which I believe includes the United States. The tables have sure. turned, right. So we are now, instead of pervading, yes, through the years we've sent missionaries mm-hmm. with the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world, Mm-hmm. And we continue to do that, but now there's missionaries from other countries that are coming here. Yeah, but uh, well, yet we have exported mm-hmm. our our sexual perversion, our, our false our, gospels, our false gospels. Yes, our false gospels are in India, are in Africa, mm-hmm. in in Eastern Europe, all over the world. So we have now we have become instead of an. Inf- uh, influence for righteousness, mm-hmm. we have become a defiling influence. All over the world, and on the on the other side of that coin, we still still have many good people, many godly people. And the Bible says that in the last days, the godly people, the righteous, would become more righteous, and the ungodly would become more ungodly. We so you're going to see separation. a big dividing yeah. line. So don't be shocked when you see these horrible things that are now indicators for the coming of the Lord. They're indicators for the in- intervention of the Most High God. It is now time for you to decide whose side you're on and stay on that, the side of the Lord because it, this is all going to be sorted out and the wicked will be removed from the righteous. 
Um, they, they've defiled God's earth. I don't know who's going first. They're going first or we're going first or whatever. But there will be a separation between the righteous and the holy and the unholy. And God and all the things we think, well, this God, you, you have, we, I, we have no idea who this God is. We see him uh, uh, presented in church and through the vestments and through the sacraments and through the uh, through the tr- traditions and the rituals and the genuflecting and the prayer books. Yeah. And, the, yeah, and then now we've got all the entertainment. But we have really no idea who God is except through a rightly dividing of his holy word through his Holy Spirit. And so if you're looking for God in a church, you're looking for a feeling, the presence of God. And many people are there. They're thinking they have God because they have a feeling of God. But I'm going to tell you again that the angel of light, the uh, Lucifer, that was the covering cherub of heaven before he was kicked out. He had the sound of instruments in his body. He also was able to create a fall. Well, he, in heaven, it was the holy worship of God and the holiness of God. But he has the ability to take and, and fake that, re, uh, counterfeit that now on earth to make the, the, the people who are hungry for God. And this is exactly the bait. The fish that's the most hungry is the most likely to be caught on the hook. Because it's the hunger of the fish that drives him to go to the hook. And the hook is set with everything the fish is hungry for. And the Christian fish are hungry for the presence of God, the move of God, the miracles of God, the revival, the power, uh, God vindicating, justice, you know, don't want it too bad if you're on the wrong side because it isn't going to help you out if God comes down and he does what he is and, and is what he does. And so... He's going to sort this all out. But those hungry fish are being swallowed up right now by Satan's hooks. Yeah, and and there's a division coming. I mean, God is stripping off the masks. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of masks that people are wearing. In other words, Mm -hmm. they're transformed as Satan himself was transformed as As an angel angel of light. light. Mm-hmm. So he's got this. And God sends a strong delusion mm-hmm. that they'll believe a lie because they refuse what... the love of the truth. Now, in Jesus right here, we're looking in Mark. He is just introducing. He's just beginning to introduce this concept of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And don't worry about the ten because basically the ten are included in this great one. But he's just introducing it. And he's in his first coming, the, the event of his first coming. He's about to die on the cross. But in the event of his second coming, which we're about to see, this is the fullness, the full completion of, of what he planted here, what he began here with the, the, the power and demonstration of his love, the love of God, the keeping the commandments, forgiving one another, that whole new covenant that he initiated there will come into its fullness in his second return, in, in, in the coming again, um, in the Armageddon, as we call it, in that place where the wicked will be removed from the righteous. This is coming. This, this didn't happen the first time. It wasn't even intended to happen the first time. Jesus came to plant this truth like a, a leaven or yeast in a, in a lump of dough, or, and it began to leaven the whole lump. He said, this is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like. You put a little piece in there, a little bit of yeast in there, and pretty soon it's, it's, all, it's leavened the whole thing. His truth was going to leaven or open up the whole world. So Jesus in Matthew 24 gives us contemporary news. This is not fake news. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, before it happened, he spoke. We were interested in watching a, a YouTube video last night of a, a godly man mm-hmm. that was a missionary all over the world. Mm-hmm. This And he passed away, I think, almost like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he he was talking about how God revealed to him when he was in the country of Manila mm-hmm. as a missionary. And God was revealing to him all these things that have that have come to pass now specific yeah seven things, things. specific things in 2019 for uh, America for America mm-hmm. and and God spoke to me he said he said you need to go back to America and and speak to America and warn America mm-hmm. but I mean it, it was so so specific right things that back 30 years ago we would you, not even have you thought like, of are you kidding me no that would mm-hmm. never happen and it's it's happening today he talked about homosexuality he talked about um uh abor- ab- yeah bestiality abortion, abortion bestiality, um the human sacrifices human demons sacrifices. worshiping demons um, all of these things that we are now fully engaged in in the United States of America fully not only fully engaged but fully uh endorsing 
in the United States of America. And and like I said before, it's endorsing. It's, Endorsing, advocating, advocating, practicing, practicing, encouraging, encouraging encouraging children to believe they're gay in school with agendas and textbooks and and videos. And uh, come on, people, when is it going to be time to say, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is not God's original creation. When are we going to stop looking at our creations and our, you know, recreation and our uh, demonic? We're, We're being programmed. It's not even us. It's not even our thoughts. These are demonic entities that are taking over your thoughts and your mind to reason, to uh, uh, make things okay, to um, substitute lies for truth, to placate, to pacify, to deceive us. And we are in the days of great, great deception. Jesus in Matthew 24 spoke of, you know, what was going to be going on in, in this in this particular time that we are in right now, in the latter day. We've been, it's no mystery. Somebody says, oh, I think we're in the last days. Oh, really? The last days? Well, they were in the la- last days since the time of Jesus. So right. we're in the last of the last of the last of the last days before the return of Christ. Uh, not the end of the world, but before the return of Christ. Right. But he said, he said, uh, Matthew twenty four eleven. I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Mm-hmm. So he tells them, he says in verse 4, uh, about the signs of your coming, he says, Be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. Mm-hmm. And then he says in verse 11, and many false prophets, Matthew 24, mm-hmm. will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. Yeah. And the, and then here, another part, where we're talking about the love of God. And the love of the great body of people, verse 12, will grow cold because of the, because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. Now, he's, yeah. the word, there's different words that are used for love. In, in 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 the original uh, Greek here, um, there's the word um, there's the word uh, phileo, which means like brotherly love mm-hmm. or love for a friend. Okay, then there's uh, eros, eros, sexual love, and that that sort of love, emotional, almost like lust, love. Yeah. yeah. And then agape, which is the love or affection. Uh, it's affection and actions, really. The love of God is affection and action in a moral sense, or being giving to others, being unselfish. Uh, so mm-hmm. the, but the word that's used in the original language in verse twelve, the love of the great body of people would will grow cold, is mm-hmm. the word the form of agape. In other words, the love of God. Love for God. Mm-hmm. The unselfish love for God and for mm-hmm. people will wax. In the King cold, James, it says selfish, wax cold. cold. Mm-hmm. It means grow cold. Mm-hmm. The word grow cold there means it's like when you take, um, uh, say, you have a bowl of hot soup and you take the, the, the spoon and you blow on it. Mm-hmm. You blow on it. You kind of blow on it. Cool blow it on off. It to cool it off. That's what it is. Because of this atmosphere of lawlessness yeah. and iniquity. The love, even among the people, not just, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, that people would be without natural affection. Right. They won't love their kids. They won't love their parents, won't mm-hmm. love the kids. Mm-hmm. P- kids won't love the parents. Mm-hmm. Pa- kid, Jesus said Abandon the ch- children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Yeah. We read about that almost every day. Parents abusing their children, Putting, confining yeah, them, locking them. them up, not caring for them, beating them, murdering them, and then children going back and murdering their parents as well. Yeah, that's, that's this it. is law. This so, is where what we, what the Satan has brought this uh, to. But going back to what you said about be not deceived, just to add to that, in Second Thessalonians, I, I don't want this to. We don't want this to be a downer. But you know what? We're in a place where we need to. A truth is the only thing. Truth and, and love. Speaking the truth and love to people. It's time to wake up. And grow up. It's yeah. time to wake so up. So he says in Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Now, brethren, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it, were, if it came from us. Though the day of Christ 
had come. So they're already worrying that he'd come already back in those days. And they said to Paul, saying, no, 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 we didn't say, we didn't write that. Uh, Let no one deceive you by any means. So here we go with Jesus. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come, that is capital D, unless there's a falling away first. Now that's talking about exactly what you just talked about, the the cooling off of the affections for God, falling away from the true doctrine of Jesus Christ, substituting all these diabolical, demonic wisdom, doctrines of demons. And you know, one of the big doctrines of demons, the, the, the roots behind the occult and witchcraft is simply to know more. That Eve wanted to know more about what was on that tree, and the occult is knowing more about the hidden knowledge. And so you have people going into these places wanting, and they're 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 wanting to force God to move uh, at their behest, at their dictate. You know, we want you to reveal. We want you're a puppet. Jump around, do some miracles, um, show us your God, prove it, prove it. But he already proved it when he died on the cross. But that wasn't very flattering. That wasn't very enough for us. We want to see something big and wow. Well, then we miss the resurrection and we substitute bunnies and and, and eggs and things for that. So we got a pagan uh, crossing over, trying to cross out the true power of that empty tomb. But he says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless there's a falling away. That's one of the signs It's falling away. I believe the church is in apostasy and the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So when the church is not paying attention, growing cold, thinking they're fine, having their nice little church club, you know, not seeing any real true deliverances or miracles or fruit or not really seeing any real suffering. Who talks about suffering in the church? If you're suffering, be quiet about it. We don't want that. We want everybody to think this church is not nice and good and wonderful and it's a happy, happy, everything's wonderful. Talk about suffering, the tithers won't show up. So, yeah. And so, so this guy is going to show up who exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he himself sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. So people are going to fall for this Antichrist. And you know what? Five, 10, 20 years ago, maybe I would have said, well, how, how is that going to happen? I mean, we've got all this good stuff going on here. We're, we delight ourselves in the Lord. But you know what? I see it. I see the, the absolute loss of mind. The loss of logic, the loss of sanity, the insanity Insanity. that is compelling, driving like people, millennials, uh, older people were being led like by the Pied Piper who's leading people to the edge of a steep cliff. And it's just you're just standing in line waiting for your turn to be pushed over the cliff and die. And that's it. You're dashed upon the rocks and you will never you you won't even suspect it enough to, to turn around and run away. And so he's got this going on. They exalt this theme, This thing is coming. Um, he says, so do, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, who now restrains will do so until he, he capital H, is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they will be condemned uh, who all and that they all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now here's the deception. It's the deception is you've asked for it. You want it. You've been led away. They refused the love of the truth. The truth wasn't that glamorous. It wasn't that glorious. It didn't make them much money. It wasn't, you know, socially accepted. It was, it was a high, a narrower road. It was difficult. And so they refuse that and they're going to patch up, patch in their own gospel, their own uh, I don't know versions of the gospel, if you will. And it's, well, what'll happen? What'll happen if you don't take uh, delight yourself in the truth? God, God will send you strong delusion, and He'll do it many times in the form of ministers and other believers of yep. of, of because other yeah other meter, ministers, teachers, leaders that seem so powerful and dynamic, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, this is how, but. God will allow us to be led. You, you don't want the truth? Okay. okay. Here's, here's what you get there. Well, here's the deal. And you say, well, how can God be so double 
minded. How can God want us to know the truth and then send us these false teachers and allow these things to happen? Like he said, he will, it says, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Uh, because God, I believe, if we understand God is not crazy, God is not contrary to his own goodness, God is not contrary to forgiveness, he's not contrary to justice and truth and mercy, he doesn't, you know, sometimes give us mercy and sometimes he gives us injustice. But God is obligated, if you will, to give us what we want because of our free will. And so therefore, Satan is the one who obligates God. He says, God, they're listening to me. And the rule says, whom they yield themselves servants to obey. That's who slave they become. And they're yielding to me. They have fallen for my uh, my lies. Yes, I know they're lies, but they don't. And they believe them. And therefore, you must give me opportunity to test them, to deceive them, to whatever. And God is just and fair, even with Satan. And he says, yes, that is right. But they are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I am faithful to complete the work I've begun in them. And Satan says, well, let's go at it here. Let's see who's going to be faithful. Let's see who's going to win this contest for the souls of men. And this is the war that goes on between God and Satan. So God is not, he's not willing that any should perish. And yet he is obligated because he's given us a free will. He doesn't force people to go to heaven. He doesn't force people to love him. You can't grab someone around the neck and say, you're going to love me. You're going to marry me. That's it. No, you have no freedom to choose. Love is freely given. Love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. God's love is freely given. God's love can be rejected. That's He, he put himself at risk to allow us to be deceived by the devil and turn away from the love of God if we so choose. Uh, but God is also very compassionate and long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, like I said. But he cannot force you to go to heaven. He will not force you. That would be, then you would have no free will. And so this thing about your free will and about love and freely accepting is the, is the pivotal point of this whole battle. What do you want to do? Who, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says, even though it feels like, looks like it's not going to work, like God is not there, like you're all by yourself, Satan has deprived you, depleted you, set up lack and, and terror and dread and fear, and, and you don't know what you're going to do, and, and you're, the, the demons who are in you are trying to help you because they're lying spirits who you think are you. And these false counselors of hell are going to tell you to take this solution, try this, do drugs, do this, whatever. But when you finally stop and just lay it down and say, God, I'm done. I can't do this. Uh -uh. If you don't come, I'm dead. If you don't help me, I'm done. See, this is called surrender. This is called conversion. And until we're actually converted, like Peter actually had to be converted, he had to lay down his ideas of how this was supposed to go with the cross and Jesus and Jesus not going to the cross. And we got a different plan here. And Lord, let's go take Rome out. You know, let's, let's, you know, throw a couple lightning bolts at him and be done with it. That Peter's idea had to be surrendered. And that only way it was, was when Peter himself came to the end of himself and, and lost his hope that he was, uh, when he denied Jesus three times, and Jesus said, Peter, Satan is going to desire, he has, he's prayed for you, he's asked for you, he's asked for you to sift you as weak. So, so Satan went before God, the Father, in the court of heaven, wherever it was, and he said, God, I want to test Peter. He's not fit to be the leader that you think he is. He's not. I can break him. I sh- I'm showing you he's full of error. He's full of arrogance. He's full of um, lies. He's mine. I, he's mine. I have a right to test him. And God says, okay, very well. But Jesus also overheard the conversation, and he began to intercede for Peter. And, and he said to Peter then, he kind of gave him a heads up, which is something Job never had. Jesus gave Peter the heads up and says, hey, hey, Peter, hey, God, God. They, they, Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. This is the process of conversion. This is where you, person, individual listening to me, must come to. If your world is too big, too crazy, too out of control, you're bound in so many traps, so in, in many insidious psychological, relational, emotional, financial, biological situations, that there is absolutely no way you can figure your way out of this. You can flatter your way out of this. You can buy your way out of this. There's nothing that you can do. Then you need to surrender to God and say, you know, convert me, Lord. I'm done. I am done. Done, dead, done. I'm done. I can't do this. And once you begin to say, I'm done, I'm dead, I can't do this, and you don't need all kinds of demonic flattery and religious, you know, uh, props 
and you don't need all this emotional hype and you can just be satisfied with the love of God, the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God. If you can just be satisfied with all of that, then you begin to be great in God's kingdom. You begin to see life come back into you. And life comes back into us through through the love of God. Absolutely. You that know, to know and, that you're loved. We, the, we love God because he first loved us. And and, and that love doesn't go away and it never changes, well, and, uh, even if we go to hell. Well, let's let's talk about the love of God. What what really is it? You know, there's an old movie years ago called Forrest Gump and 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 he was kind of a slow in his thinking and so forth, but uh, interesting story. However, uh, he said one line from that movie is, "I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is." And do we know what love is? Do we got all these songs about love, love, yeah. love? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, I love ice cream. I love movies. I love cats. I love you. you know, I, I love you. All, all this kind of stuff. But 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 the definition of love, as Jesus defined it, was a one who'd be willing to lay down his life. For his That's friend, greater, it's a, and greater love than this has no man but to lay down his life for his friend. And you have to go beyond that. Yeah, you. Go and beyond. so our our love for God is just exactly that. We lay down our life, our plans, our ideas of what we're going to do with our life, and how we're going to make money, and how we're going to survive, and and what we're going to do, and get a new house, and blah blah blah. Laying down your aspirations for this world to put your treasure in heaven, lay down your life. For the kingdom of God's sake, for the eternal uh, kingdom of God, for you're looking beyond this temporary well, well, life. You think of the story we talked a few weeks ago, about months ago, about the rich young ruler, you know, and he came to Jesus. What good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you don't do stuff to inherit. You be, you know, mm-hmm. you're a son or you're an heir. You just are and you inherit. He said, well, you know, he said just. He said, I, well, I've done all this religious stuff. I've kept these commandments. Mm-hmm. But he said, there's one more. I'm still not satisfied. You're not satisfied. He said, well, you know, not sell, doing it for sell me. your possessions, give it to the poor, come and follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, God doesn't ask everybody to sell everything they have. Mm-hmm. But he, sa- he does ask everybody. He commands us to come. Well, what he was saying him. to the young man was, that's your, that's your idol. That's your God. That's your support lay system. Lay down your idol. Yeah, lay down your props, your support systems, anything that you're relying on to be great it, or it, to be safe, because the man was using that as a safety. And it is so hard for us to do that because we have security. We find a false security, really, in mm-hmm. our stuff, in mm-hmm. our identity, in our plans. We want to be in control. We don't, you know, we think we, mm-hmm. we got this misconception mm-hmm. about God that he's, he's just mean and he wants to spoil all our fun. Yep. And he, he has want, to have it his way. He's got to have it his way. Mm-hmm. He's just going to control me. And that's the end. I'm not going to have any fulfillment. But all. then on the other side, in our religious paganism that we call Christianity, we do all of these things to make God happy. Okay, I went to church. I went to confession. I paid my tithe. I went to I, the conference. <clears throat> I, yeah. I read my Bible. Yeah. And, but, but you're treating God like a false God, like a pagan God, because the pagan gods were always demanding their people to give them something or they would hurt them. Mm-hmm. Curse them. So you had to give them the offerings. You had to give them your children, their blood, whatever. You, you just had to keep because so you were being controlled by these false gods. And so we treat God like that. We say, well, you know, OK, if I do all this stuff and check off the list and make my God happy, then I can have my day. I, I can have, at least have six days out of my week for myself. And this is not this is car- compartmentalizing. Um, this is dividing, sectioning off. This is dissecting our life. Okay, God, you can have this part, but I'll take all the rest for myself. You know, that is not what God's after at all. And besides, that's not, he's not like those false gods. He's not a demon. He's not a fallen angel. He is the good one true God who had the idea in the first place to make you, to give you his life, make you in his image and give you a great opportunity on this planet to know him, to see his faithfulness to you, to protect you, to take, carry you, um, to cover you and then bring you to be with him in fellowship forever in heaven. So the love of God is given really in detail. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only God mm-hmm. Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in Matthew five forty three through uh, 47, you've heard that it was said, you shall love the, your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
Now, mm-hmm. God didn't really say that. God didn't say, hate your enemy. No, he never said that. Yeah, but it was said. It was your, said in, in your, your traditions, in, in yeah. Your, in your opinions. In, in your, your rendition of the law. In mm-hmm. your rendition, mm-hmm. in your religious circles. He says, but I say to you, you've heard of that was said. You know, all this stuff that's being said mm-hmm. in our world today. Yeah. Talk, 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 oh, talk, talk. Turn it off. And, and turn it off. But I say to you, what does Jesus say? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Mm-hmm. Do good to those who hate you. Pray, Pray for, for those, those who spitefully use you and you. persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and, and the unjust. unjust. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he goes on to say basically that you know even ungodly people like the people that like them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you like me, I'll like you. But yeah. if you don't like me, my, I'm going to get you. Yeah. And that, that's and the, the attitude of our world. But so, This world does not know love because the God of this world is a hater. He is a, he is the, the God of this world is Satan. The, the, he's still bitter against God. He still has the same agenda he's always had, which was proven in the garden to destroy, destroy, destroy everything. And if you think you can make an agreement with him, an alliance with him, a friendship with him, you think you can buy him off or bribe him to leave you alone, you are fooled. You are deceived. He doesn't make deals. He always carries out his hatred, his plan. He's much more smart, wily, powerful than any of us. Although God gave us the power and you do have power to say no. By the way, use exercise, begin to exercise, you know, your spiritual exercise today. Get up. And if you're listening to some stupid ranting on TV, some gloating, some flattery, some uh, newscasts, some uh, stirring up pain and lies, just get up and turn it, turn off. it off. Turn it off. You have, if you want to really make it through this last section of the journey, this last seven, eight, 10, 12, 20 years, whatever it is, if you really want to make it through, you're going to have to exercise your, your God-given privilege to say, no, no, I won't. Shut up. No, I'm not doing that. You have to, because your feelings, your mind, your emotions, they're going to put pressure on you to submit, cave, give in, indulge, you know, taste. Just take one bite of this forbidden fruit. Just just indulge a little bit, just one drug, one time, one sniff, one, one you know, attempt to get by with it, whatever it is. And you are going to have to stand up and just stand up for your own life. By the strength and grace of the of the God of heaven and say to the enemy, no, you can't have me. No, I'm not doing that. No. And if you don't know what to say no to, ask the Holy Spirit. If you've got Jesus Christ in your life, then you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. And he is, he is the Holy Ghost guidance system. And he will, he will know what to say no to. And it's important that you learn how to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit because we are must discern spirits these days. You can't believe everything that comes by that calls on the name of Jesus or says, Jesus gave me this, or Jesus is giving me peace, or Jesus made me do this, or Jesus is, you know, they, they sound good, but that's the divination thing. Divination is, it sounded good. These are the men of the most high God to bring us the way of salvation. But underneath that is a lie. And when you pay attention to the lie and you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, these are the men of the Most High God, yeah. Well, then why are you still doing fortune-telling in Acts sixteen sixteen? Then you begin to ask some questions. Wait a minute. My Jesus, the Son of God, the God in the Bible, would not do this. The, by their fruits, Jesus said, you shall know them. The fruit is now coming out. All of these ministries are growing up. They're, they're full, mature fruit trees now. And so you can see what fruit is on them. The fruit of, of, you know, Jesus, if it doesn't, if it's not in the Bible, if there's not at least one or two examples of whatever it is they're doing in the Bible, then it's not of God. And it's not all about just Jesus. There is, there's context that Jesus Christ came into the earth in, in the context of the Old Testament, in the context of paganism, in the context of, of the flood and the Tower of Babel. And, and the wandering in the wilderness and the, and the Red Sea. He came within the context of their history. And he didn't say, now deny all that. He actually says, that was given to you for an example to, 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 to learn, to learn easy, the easy way. You know, you don't have to learn everything the hard way. You can learn the easier way by watching other people say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. Because you have a life 
And your choices, how you dis- discern what's going on, will determine your final destiny. And Jesus said, if you love me, in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say. Mm-hmm. You know, as many follow as I, me. Let, follow me. Mm-hmm. Do what I say. That's the love of God. So the love, love of God, it's not just affection and feeling. It's action. Mm-hmm. It's it's decisions. It's action. And uh, he he said in in First John chapter four verses seven through eleven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Mm-hmm. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Mm-hmm. And in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mm-hmm. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, that's it. If, if God loves us and he loved us first, the only response that we have to that love is to love him back, to re- receive his invitation to live with him forever in heaven. And I know a lot of people, you know, they get the invitation. They maybe don't RSVP. They don't, you know, they don't think it's worth their time to check it out or go back and, and join the feast or the the, wed- the wedding or whatever it is. But this is an invitation from God, and we have been so slammed, so slimed, so put to sleep, so stupefied, so, you know, mesmerized. We're living in such a demonic virtual world that most of the people out there are bizarrely insane. They don't, they don't even know they're insane. And that's the, that's the, that's the definition of insanity is you don't know you're insane mm-hmm. because if you fear that you're insane, you're not insane mm-hmm. because, because you have some wherewithal yet to understand what that would even mean. But these people are absolutely baited and deceived and they are without a, a great uh, intervention by the most high. These people will be completely lost. And that sounds so terrible, and it is very terrible. And you say, well, this is just too negative. I just can't deal with this. I, I just can't live with this hanging over my head, the end of the world, and Jesus coming back, and the Antichrist. I just can't live like that. i got to deny that. i got to go away from that. But the thing is, you were called to live at this time. God appointed you to live during this generation. You had nothing to say about it. And God has a plan for your life. Satan has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for your life. And you think you have a plan for your life, but you only have a choice whose plan you're going to take, God's or Satan's. And you, you and I, we don't, we don't have that much freedom as we might think, um, but we do have op- awesome opportunities to follow Jesus. And in, in, in these last days, I would recommend absolutely impaired what I do for myself. There's a couple things. I stay in the Word of God. I read the Bible. You say, I can't read the Bible. Every time I read the Bible, I fall asleep. Every time I read the Bible, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Then you have an obstruction. You have a demonic spirit that's Order trying to snatch it away. away. Yeah. And tell it to go to hell and, and name it. You spirit of you know slumber, sloth, stupor, confusion, can't get it, whatever it is, distraction. You must open your mouth. You must open your mouth. Your mouth is a weapon. Satan wants us to keep our mouth shut so we won't resist what he's doing. We won't protest what he's doing. You must open your mouth, begin the protest in your own personal life. Say, no, you won't, Satan. I will read this. Holy Spirit, help me. Show me something out of here that's really meaningful that I can chew on, that I can be nourished by. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. And out of love comes joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, all that stuff is, is aspects of love. First Corinthians 13 is the verse that, you know, gets read at weddings a lot, and three years later they're divorced Yeah, oftentimes. But uh, love is long, endures long. This is Amplified Bible, First Corinthians 13, starting with verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself. It's not narcissistic. Right. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights 
or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Mm -hmm. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Mm -hmm. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, Mm -hmm. never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. For prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be, and be superseded by truth. So let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord. The only way that we can love you is to know how much you love us. Yes. When we know we are loved by you, and you proved it, Father God, by sending Jesus to the cross. Yes, Lord. And 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 raising him from the dead. Give us wisdom. Thank, thank you, Lord God, for the uh, the love that can of God that we need in mm-hmm. this world. Amen. And the only way it's going to come through people it's going to come through people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Because this love is the fruit of the Spirit of God, not yes, the Lord. fruit of our own character Jesus. or anything, but the fruit of our of your spirit, Father. And Father, I thank you for this love. I thank you that the sword of your word and truth will separate us from the vile, the pretentious, the deceptive, the the deceiver, the false loves, the enticements, the allurements, the sedations, uh, the seductions of the enemy, that the sword of your word now go forward in everyone who's hearing and cut those things off of them, remove them, because that word of God is able to separate even to the dividing of bone and marrow, thought and intention, soul and spirit. Free your people, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? 